0: As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of immune function and respiratory health. NAC, Allerol, Serapeptase, and Abiotic Immune Plus. NAC promotes detoxification and healthy respiratory function. Allerol supports respiratory structures and functions. Serapeptase supports a healthy response to biological stress, and Abiotic Immune Plus is a botanical formula designed to support healthy immune system function. NAC, Allerol, Serapeptase, and Abiotic Immune Plus for support of immune function and respiratory health. And they're available at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to talk about a very, very important subject, which is nutritional psychiatry. Uh, Until recently, there wasn't such an entity, but uh, through the good efforts of people like today's guest, uh, it's an upcoming field and it's certainly something that uh, has been long awaited and much needed. Uh, Our guest is Drew Ramsey, MD. He's author of Eat to Beat Depression and Anxiety Nourish Your Way to Better Mental Health in Six Weeks. It's a book that's just out. He is a psychiatrist, uh, board certified in psychiatry and neurology, an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Columbia, And he is also founder of the Brain Food Clinic in New York City, which you're going to find out about. Uh, He is a great communicator. I've heard him speak. Uh, He has given uh, TED Talks, uh, numerous workshops. He's appeared all over the media on the Today Show, CBS Sunday Morning, NPR, BBC. Uh, He's been quoted in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. And uh, he is also author of an award-winning cookbook, Eat Complete the 21 Nutrients That fuel brain power, boost weight loss, and transform your health. And so without further ado, here's today's guest, Dr. Drew Ramsey. Uh, Dr. Ramsey, pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us.
1: Yeah, great to be with you, Ron. Hi, everybody. Great to spend a little time with you talking about food and mental health.
0: Indeed. Well, so a question that I often ask uh, is about... uh, some of my guest journeys into this field. So, what led you, a conventionally trained psychiatrist, to embrace uh, the emerging field of nutritional psychiatry? Well, Ron, I,
1: you know, I think I'm, I'm probably the first nutritional psychiatrist or one of them. So, you know, there wasn't any nutritional psychiatry. I think initially what caused me to embrace food was the notion that. It just struck me both in conventional medicine in my training and in psychiatry, there wasn't really any talk about nutrition. And that comment's made a lot, you know, medical education gets beaten up all the time for not teaching about food. And, you know, th- there's not a lot of kind of place in the curriculum or place within the medical system right now, and particularly in mental health, there wasn't any place for conversation about food, a simple conversation even. Hey, how's, how's your nutrition? How's your eating? Really important one for clinical providers. How's your food security? And so, uh, since I finished residency and really during residency, I just have been really interested in how do we incorporate basic, common-sense, evidence-based nutrition into mental health clinical care. And, and when I first started doing that, it, it boy, you got a lot of looks. Uh, we presented, I think, for the first time at the American Psychiatric Association Annual Conference way back. I think it was 2006. And that's when I started to get a signal. People cared. I mean, we had a packed house every year when we present, we'd have a packed house full of psychiatrists. Uh, my first book, The Happiness Diet, came out in 2011. And, and so, uh, I- this movement has just exploded in the last five years. People now call me a nutritional psychiatrist. And so I just, I guess want to know, you know, historically, that's a new thing. And, and the interest for me came, I grew up on a farm. I've always been interested in food and, and performance. I'm a athlete. And in college, I was a vegetarian really trying to tweak my diet, just kind of ran into some issues of just, uh, wouldn't say I was the healthiest vegetarian, but I, I did pretty well and just had a lot of problems with energy, with mood, um, and over time, really learned about my diet, learned about the, the science that existed, um, started to talk with my patients about their diet and realized, boy, be, beyond just, you know, all the kind of interesting specialized knowledge of nutritional psychiatry, you know, fermented foods and omega-3 fats and which foods have the most magnesium and uh, how do you get more iron out of your food, right? Simple questions like that. Uh, you know, there was just, in uh, speaking with patients, this obvious note. That people are eating a lot of really, really highly processed food and drinking a lot of alcohol. And if you think about that in the context of trying to help people beat depression and anxiety, it just seemed like a great tool for us to start using.
0: Indeed. And some of this comes from uh, your acknowledgement of the limitations of modern psychiatry. What's in in your book? You talk about uh, trials on uh, SSRIs, for example, which are the mainstay of our treatment of depression uh, that suggests that, uh, you know, maybe marginal benefits uh, that they're not really doing the job.
1: Well, I think that the problem has been that they don't do the job uh, for everyone and, and so the issue is that is lots of people like to you know uh, question antidepressant efficacy those of us who are prescribing them a lot uh, know they work for some people and they work for some symptoms quite well uh, you know that that said there are a lot of people who don't reach full remission they still have depression when they have oftentimes side effects from the medications Um and, and so one of the things that might, for example, be impeding someone recovering fully from depression and impeding a medication or a psychotherapy working is that their brain isn't in a mode to grow and repair itself. And so uh, in the Eat to be Depression and Anxiety, the beginning of the book, I really talk about some of these shifts of let's start thinking about depression and anxiety beyond simply needing a little bit of Zoloft or Prozac. That's not one really fair to Zoloft or Prozac. Those are actually helpful medicines for a lot of people, but they are not going to do the whole thing for you when it comes to mental health. Just like food's not going to do the whole thing. If you uh, have some stuff in your mental health history, you've had some trauma, you've had uh, you know some difficult times, you've got a genetic load like me and my family do. There's just a whole lot of stuff going on. So, uh, you know, there there certainly um, is more than we need to do for our mental health than, than you know, just eat more uh, seafood and avocados and uh, maybe take some medicine, right? And mental health is complicated. So, you know, I don't mean to bristle. Antidepressants leave a lot to be desired. And, and so, and that kind of older conventional notion of mental health, you know, you wait until you hit rock bottom, then you come and see me, you get hospitalized or get on meds. Uh, you know, and then we're in therapy forever, uh, you know, I just don't i don't really feel like that's what's going on in my clinical practice. I mean, definitely have a lot of really wonderful long-term relationships with patients and definitely have lots of folks taking SSRIs, but when you look at the complexity of what happens in mental tr- treatments and how people get better, you know, there's a lot more going on for most folks than just a simple SSRI.
0: Indeed. And, and it turns out that, you know, sometimes patients with the most challenging mental disorders, you know, like... uh uh, psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar disease, the very medications that are designed to alleviate their symptoms uh, may provoke cravings, weight gain, blood sugar abnormalities and propel them to poor metabolic health. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the atypical antipsychotics uh, as a group launched and uh, you know, one of the origins of
1: nutritional psychiatry for me was giving my patients what the evidence said is the best medicine for them that really helped them with their psychiatric condition, but then they have a horrible metabolic disorder. They gain weight and and, uh, have insulin resistance. So, you know, there have been some advances in that class of medications that have helped with that, but also it just, you know, kind of shows... Uh, the importance of engaging around food with patients, you know, in, in any time you're in a medical or mental health setting, making sure that's one of the things that is part of your conversation. And the other part that's really important, Ron, is that, you know, we talk a lot about food as medicine, but realistically, most people don't see the doctor very much. And so, uh, you know, the food as medicine movement in some ways is shepherded along by the people who actually talk to folks. And those are generally coaches, therapists, trainers, uh, pastors, right? So, so you know, one of the nice things about nutritional psychiatry and one of the reasons I'm so excited to see was talking about it and see more people interested and hope people will check out the book is it just gives all of us an ability to start influencing our biology. And that's at the end of the day what people want with a medicine, right? You want like the silver bullet that changes your biology, helps your brain, function in a way that you're not having these symptoms um one just quick thing i do want to mention you know sure. there's a lot of misinformation last year in the wellness world about serotonin and serotonin drugs on mm-hmm. the uh a, a meta-analysis a narrative meta-analysis right there's like was a pushback
0: mis- on the serotonin theory that uh, somehow yeah, it's ill-founded or based mis- on based on fraudulent uh, uh, data yeah right yeah, huge, huge
1: I mean, this is a study that has nothing to do with SSRI efficacy, which I'm first to admit it's not, not like amazing hundred percent, but let's all endorse getting sixty five percent, let's say fifty percent of people mm-hmm. with clinical depression better for fifteen dollars a year. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's mind blowing in the history of mental health. Right. That it sort study sort of at peripheral.
0: The, it fueled the sort of the, uh, the the drug denialists, you know, the people who are, you know, purely for a, a non drug approach.
1: It fueled the part of mental, though it fueled the part of the wellness world that doesn't know shit about mental health. is okay. It's it you
0: know, just
1: <laughs> real it, bluntly. I mean, yeah. Let's just put it real bluntly. Yeah. If you're if you you know love to bang the drum that medications stink, and you uh, especially right now love to bang the drum how awesome psychedelics are, which they're quite impressive. I mean, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a perfect moment to just bring out all those old trips. I was really disappointed in a lot of wellness folks I follow. You know, they read that headline, and they had a post up before anybody had time to read the study. Uh, you know, uh, I I read the study, and you know, there, there's some really interesting stuff in there, uh, especially about tryptophan depletion. Yeah. Uh, anybody who, <laughs> what I loved is the folks who you know love to talk about how SSRIs don't work, and that paper was impressive, and and they still want to prescribe tryptophan. <laughs>
0: So, so this anyway. study, what you're saying is well. that the study kind of un- maybe undermines the rationale for taking tons of uh, supplemental tryptophan, but it doesn't uh, challenge the 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 part- partial benefits and significant benefits for some of uh, SSRI medication. So you're, you're really for an all of the above approach, a complementary approach, not just binary, uh, you know, one or the other. Uh, yeah. You have to be because,
1: you know, anybody who's a good clinician, if you you know don't want to talk to people who take supplements for your mental health or for their mental health, I, you know, that's that's a lot of people. And if you don't want to treat people who don't like medications, I, I don't know. I just don't think you're doing jo- your job. You know, some folks like meds, some folks don't. My job. help people with their mental health so uh, you know i don't i don't want to be a um i don't want to be seen as the cheerleader for ssris but i am a cheerleader for patients having all of their options open to them without stigma including nutrition and and so you know there's an equal amount of pushback we get in the complementary world you talk about helping people with their diet to improve their mental health and you know there's a lot of eyebrows that get raised and questions and you know a lot of folks a lot of psychiatrists saying you know that doesn't work that doesn't help you know, those are folks who aren't paying attention to the evidence. And there are now five randomized controlled trials showing that talking about and prescribing a Mediterranean diet to patients with clinical depression vastly improves their outcome. Vastly.
0: And, and let's let's look at that evidence because, I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, kind of like ancient wisdom, you know, in men's sauna, corpora sauna, you know, where they were saying that, you know, 3,000 years ago, you know, a healthy uh, mind in a healthy body, okay, that's intuitive, but, you know, where's the evidence in terms of modern uh, studies that that validate this?
1: Yeah, let's just go over the the, the clinical trials quickly. There, you know, they're, they're all reasonably small, randomized clinical trials, but they began with the SMILES trial in 2017 that looked at 67 individuals, Uh, randomized them to seven nutritional counseling sessions uh, around uh, promoting a Mediterranean-style diet with a little bit of extra red meat called a Mahdi-Medi diet. Uh, uh, Most of them were in some treatment. So, you know, a good patient population, a lot of folks in therapy, a lot of folks getting medication, but not getting all the way better. A third of them go into full remission. Hmm. So that's holy grail in depression, simply by improving their diet, and and it wasn't a huge lift. They essentially stopped eating a lot of ultra-processed foods. They started eating a little bit more vegetable, a little bit more beans, a little bit more seafood. Uh, So that was the first. After that was a healthy med trial, which was a group uh, intervention, group therapy intervention. Every two weeks, folks got a Mediterranean-style cooking class and encouragement around food and their mental health. They compared it with a befriending group. They dropped depression and anxiety rating scores by, I think, 40%. And what was striking about this study, Ron, is is the people, were, the patients were really quite ill on their uh, formal rating scales. I mean, they were on the verge of hospitalization. Hmm. And what I liked about the study is it just showed, you know, food helps in a variety of settings. We always think about like foods for like if you're a little anxious, you're a little down. And I think it's just where we're not really thinking uh, in a broad way about food as medicine, the way that it is. A treatment that kind of intersects and interjects into all types of other treatments, right? If you're eating in a way that helps lower inflammation and improve microbiome diversity and improve nutrient density, now you're also eating in a way that is going to help individuals with whatever other chronic illnesses they're struggling with, um, and just with overall health. Anyway, after Healthy Med, uh, there was a trial. In Australia, that looked at it was a, really simple. It showed depressed psychology freshmen a video uh, about eating for mental health using a Mediterranean diet. They gave them a little food hamper and they called them a week later for five minutes. And then a week after that, they called them for another five minutes. So, a total of about 23 minutes of intervention. And they found that in the first uh, three weeks of college, they were able to significantly improve
0: the freshman's mood compared to kids who didn't get the uh, intervention. I wish I'd gotten so, that intervention during my freshman year because that was a, that was a rough yeah, year.
1: Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and also just imagine, hey, you get in and you get a little orientation. Look, this is a tough year for you guys. It's a big transition. We want to help you. One of the things that we think helps is people being oriented about how to take care of your mental health with nutrition. This is like basic common sense i would say in a you know not a lot of time as these researchers demonstrate you can have an impact and then most recently the amend trial the amend trial was the first ever trial trying to treat depression in young men and and i thought i was having a psychotic break run because uh, you know my favorite things about are depression in young men and and you know food and mental health and so this uh, paper this study combined both of these elements jessica bays is the lead researcher at the University of Technology in Sydney, Uh, Jessica and her colleagues uh, uh, took young men, gave them two nutritional counseling sessions, and then a final follow-up session. So three sessions in total, but just two were the intervention session. And 36% of these young men who had bad eating habits went into full remission.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, it's just, it's astounding. And I asked Jessica, like, what what did you do? Nobody's going to believe this in a certain way, right? Like lots of people have teenage boys and tell them to eat healthy. And it was really interesting to say, first of all, the young man with depression really didn't feel seen. And just the idea that someone cared about him and there were some things they could do in their everyday life to help their mood, that really mattered to them.
0: So there's a the me,
1: there was a treatment effect. There was yeah, just, just a something. treatment effect. Yeah. Just doing something. And I would say for depression, that's massive, especially for men. Right To be approached and offered things and helped out and talked to and cared about, that's a big deal for anybody with depression. Um, and... Uh, uh, she sound that how they shifted their diets is they ate more olive oil they ate more beans and legumes and they ate more plants that they liked they didn't do any big radical changes you know none of my favorite you know seafood no dark chocolate it was just really helping them minimize processed food and uh um Mediterraneanize their diet a little bit. So that's the evidence. Uh, the other pieces in there, we published uh, antidepressant foods, which looks at the nutrient density of natural whole foods, i.e. fish and plants and nuts mm-hmm. and asking hey, which nutrients make the most difference for mental health and which foods have the most of those nutrients per calorie.
0: You developed an antidepressant food scale, you know, which is kind of like yeah, one
1: exactly. to ten or my colleague
0: zero to one hundred, something like that.
1: Yeah, my colleague Laura LeChance and I is a, essentially a, a a way of of uh, looking at food through the lens of a neuron's most important nutrients.
0: Yeah. So you actually uh, can uh, scale uh, foods in terms of the contribution they make to mental health.
1: That's the idea, and I think also highlight the, the, the point of uh, nutrient profiling systems is to create food categories. So if you look at the foods on the antidepressant food scale, you see it. there's there's seafood, there's wild meat, there's organ meats, there's a lot of bivalves, mussels, clams, and oysters. If you look on the plant side, lots of leafy greens, herbs, cruciferous vegetables, rainbow vegetables, berries. You know, and, and I think it's also important to note there's a lot of things missing. You know, because of how their nutrient ratios are, there's not, you know, olive oil's not on the list. Right? It's all fat. It's got some nutrition, but it's mostly calories. Beans and legumes, you know, they're not on... The, the list, but they're a huge food category when it comes to using food to fight depression and anxiety. I mean, if you look something like a lentil, a serving of lentils has 90% of your daily need of folate, vitamin B9. It has something like 18 grams of protein, uh, 60% of your daily need of uh, fiber, just a nutritional powerhouse. And and so, uh, you know, helping people incorporate more of these foods and food categories into their diet, that, that's really the goal of nutritional psychiatry.
0: Indeed. Well, so let's break it down. You know, there, there's several ways that nutrition uh, can impact uh, the brain, brain function, and mental health and overall well-being. And uh, one pathway is inflammation. And and recently, and you, know, you probably saw this. There's a study that suggests that in certain types of depression, not all depression, but you know, a significant double-digit percentage of People suffering from depression, that the addition of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug Celebrex uh, can augment the benefits of uh, drugs used for depression. So they're suggesting that inflammation in the brain plays a role. But can we achieve that uh, via nutritional means?
1: Well, I would think so. I mean, I think that that's in a lot of ways the idea. One of the main ideas behind lifestyle medicine and interventions like nutritional psychiatry that. And one can imagine it, right? If I wake up and I, you know, uh, have a coffee and a cigarette and then <laughs> pretty I, you know, pretty pro-inflammatory, right? Then if I eat a big bowl of sugary cereal and and have a frappuccino, you know, I just downed about a thousand calories of sugar. And then if I go to lunch and I have a burger and fries and then I, I go home for dinner and I have some pizza, and I just ate in a way that isn't uncommon. I don't mean to sound judgmental. We just ate in a way that's a lot of processed food, a lot of inflammation. So, when we look at a study like that, uh, it's something we've known for a long time. Just like we've known serotonin isn't the only thing going on with depression. Right? When I give somebody a serotonin medication, their serotonin levels go up in about, I don't know, two three hours. They don't get better for three weeks. There's more going on. Serotonin is the lever is one way to think about it. You know, and I would love all the people who uh, – so. Uh, uh, uh. So what, when we, we uh, think about inflammation is one of the pieces that's driving depression and anxiety for some patients. You know food is one of the major ways to address this because this, the largest piece of our immune system, what creates inflammation, you know, our alarm system, the immune system, is based in the gut. The largest part of your immune system is your gut. And that makes a lot of sense, right? That's where we kind of get a lot of information from the outside world. And and so, uh, there's a tremendous amount that folks can do. And, and actually, there's a, a recent study out of Stanford that really suggests eating more fermented foods. It shows mm-hmm. over several weeks a remarkable change and improvement in inflammation.
0: Mm-hmm and that kind of gets us in the realm of uh, the microbiome and and what are sometimes called psychobiotics you know that's even been proposed that uh, you know eventually we may be able to uh engineer probiotics that uh, have antidepressant effects so uh you know short of that can we eat uh you know sauerkraut kimchi and uh you know live pickles well, actually, I wouldn't say short of that. I would say in favor of that, you should eat
1: kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi, mm-hmm. yogurt, and pickle. Yeah, I would say right now, there's n- no evidence I've seen that taking probiotics, and particularly single-strain probiotics, one, improves the amount of that probiotic strain within the gut flora. Mm-hmm. And when we take a lot of lactobacillus, uh, or Rasponus, right? Or things actually, like that, yeah. Right. We're not increasing that bug in the gut that's not how it seems like they work. it's really quite striking um uh and i think confusing for people right the idea that i'm taking one thing but the benefit is not from that thing it's what that does to the other mm-hmm. species in my body that's really kind of maybe to or- the orchestrate
0: or the uh, you know in some competitive way or some a synergistic way yeah, to, put, to change yeah. the balance That, you know, that seems to be some of the idea of what's happening. And,
1: and, but, you know, to to your question, you know, what to do, it's real simple, folks. Everybody should work on their fermented food game because realistically for most people listening, it's weak. Mine is, you know, I mean, besides kombucha, I get kefir maybe once a week. If, um, you know, I uh, eat some pickles, I was just traveling in Japan. Oh yeah. I had fermented foods every day because they put them out on the breakfast buffet but, you know, fermented foods are a real a challenge. And so I would just, you know, that that's the way you increase gut flora diversity, which is the major marker that seems to be correlated to
0: improved health. Okay, good stuff. So we're going to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. In part two, I want to talk about, uh, you know, some of the key nutrients that uh, can augment health and how to find them in foods. We'll talk about some of the top antidepressant foods. Uh, we'll touch on your cookbook and also a fascinating uh, effort, uh, the Brain Food Clinic, which uh, is something that you're involved with, right here in New York City. Is that correct? Well, you know, The Brain Food Clinic during the uh, pandemic really became a
1: virtual mental health provider. We really are the first integrative nutritional psychiatry outpatient clinic. So. We offer a full suite of mental health services, and yeah, I'm happy to talk to people about that in in our clinicians and what we do, both uh, uh, virtually, but also in our clinic. Our, our main clinical space right now is actually in Jackson, Wyoming, uh,
0: and uh, but we're also seeing patients in a number of states. So happy to talk about that. Great stuff. Okay, we'll pause. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's guest, uh, Dr. Drew Ramsey. The book is Eat to Beat Depression and Anxiety. And uh, Dr. Ramsey, you got a website where people can uh, access more information about you?
1: Yeah, check out. Uh, I've got lots of info, free downloads, some e-courses on DrewRamseyMD.com. And then I'm almost always spending too much time on Instagram where I'm at DrewRamseyMD.
0: All right. And it's Ramsey, S-E-Y, R-A-M-S-E-Y. Drew D-R-E-W, com. Great stuff. All right, let's pause. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.